An injury crisis that would lead to managers talking of being down to the bare bones. Maybe even in this case, down to the marrow. But your essential weekly Football League review has had a cortisone injection and will soldier on through the pain with tales of big cup final attendances, big max landing on League Two training grounds and big swings in the promotion and relegation issues. We go again with the Totally Football League show. Hello, my name's Ian Danter. I've been promoted to the other side of the table for this week and to help guide it through it all, we've got the proud owner of one EFL trophy medal after 10 minutes, 10 whole minutes on the pitch at the final. It's Sam Parkin. We, you were at the Spurs Legends game on Saturday, were you not, Sam? I, I was, yeah. What's the best part of the new stadium then? The the big south stand that mirrors what Borussia Dortmund have obviously got in Germany. Oh, the wall. Incredible. If I was a Tottenham season ticket holder, I'd want to be in that plot. Well, more well. We won't get too deep into that because that's nothing to do with the EFL. And I exaggerated. I think it was about six minutes at Wembley. <laughs> was it six? But I, told oh, I'd be, it. <laughs> I told I'd be ten. Yeah, we'll you round, round it up, up, don't you? Yeah, you yeah. always round it up. <laughs> and uh, also, alongside Sam Parkin, a man known as the Journeyman and the owner of two EFL Trophy medals, we should say. It's a man new to this season's pod, but a familiar voice to last season's pod, and he was also on the Scottish show. It's Gregor Robertson. Hello, Gregor. Hello there. Nice to have you back here amongst um, amongst friends. Nice to be here. Now, uh, Best stadium? I mean, you know, Spurs is obviously up there. Best stadium you've ever worked at or played in? Wembley. It's oh. got to be. Well, that's Although a... I didn't actually play in either of those yes. two finals. So ah, <laughs> I stand it better than me. Injury, injury just before. Oh. Well, that's Sam's pod already made before we even <laughs> started. And alongside us all, the proud owner of his Chester under 10s five aside winners medal from William Hill, it's Joe Crilly. Thank you for not striking like your Bolton team and turning up today. Although I, would, I wouldn't dare. No, but their strike is justified, of course. Yours Absolutely. probably wouldn't be. No. no. But we'll get to that later. Let's get down to some football. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show in association with William Hill. So the EFL trophy took place on Sunday at Wembley Stadium. 85,000 people there. Only Barcelona Espanyol could command a bigger crowd across Europe this weekend. There must be no other country, Gregor Robertson, in world football that could command that sort of attendance for a a match between two third-tier sides in a final. It's an unbelievable yeah, it's remarkable. It was an amazing spectacle. I think it just reflects the the, the strength and depth of this of football in the lower tiers here. And as you say, no other country could do that. And it was Portsmouth, I think, just about deserved, just about deserved the win. Well, they did. It was a, a game to match the the crowd and the spectacle that went with it. Sunderland got themselves ahead through Aidan McGeady. Portsmouth find themselves two one up, heading towards the ninety minute mark. Aidan McGeady equalises. We go into extra time. Good the game had pretty much everything, Sam, apart from a a red card and a fight. Yeah, brilliant game and similarities from my experience because Luton in all kinds of trouble when I went there took a massive following and two clubs that have had loads going on off the pitch in the last probably decade you'd say huge clubs with enormous support so a great day for them uh, at Wembley brilliant game chuff for Nathan Thompson I watched him leave the pitch in tears for Swindon in a 4-0 playoff final defeat against Preston a few years ago now uh, redemption for him. Sent him a text on on Sunday evening, and he's ecstatic. He's a great lad, mm-hmm. such a likable character. So really pleased that he was the one to get Portsmouth back in the game. Agree with Gregor wholeheartedly. I think they just about deserved it after a really testing opening forty five minutes. When ironically Nathan got a bit of the runaround from McGeady. So yeah, it played out wonderfully well for a number of those individuals at Portsmouth. No, no more so than Nathan and, and Hawkins was in non league a few years ago and really stuck that winning penalty away with a plum. 
that was the thing that struck me about Portsmouth's performance because first half, Sunderland were all over the McGregor. Yeah. But once they made the changes and they brought on Ollie Hawkins in particular, suddenly they had a focal point that they didn't seem to have in the first half. And Sunderland, it's not like they came out the traps flying, Portsmouth, but Sunderland just couldn't cope with them. Yeah, I would say Evans as well made a huge mm. difference when he came on. Just had a bit more kind of dynamism from midfield, a bit more attacking impetus. And uh, I think on the second half performance, they just about edged it. I think also I saw, I think it was Matt Stanger, formerly of this parish, tweeting about it was the most kind of Sunderland till I die way to lose ever <laughs> for them, which was about right, I think. You know, it was, it was a helter-skelter game, great spectacle, but I think probably Portsmouth just about deserved it. So how important is this trophy win for Pompey? For two reasons, Sam Parkin, given their recent history and the, the fall from Premier League side and FA Cup winners, but also in the context of this particular season. Well, I think the... Berry win in the semi-final has actually turned their fortunes around somewhat. They've been bolstered by some some signings as well, but they were on a downward spiral and got that convincing win against Berry, who I know Gregor's been there this season, one of the best attacking teams certainly in the lower two divisions, especially at home. That turned their fortunes around. Yeah, I think it gives them a great opportunity to to act as a springboard. I know we're recording before Sunderland go to Accrington, but that's going to be an enormous test of their metal. Their mentality because it would be the last place in the world that I'd want to go after losing at Wembley to that portal cabin at Accrington. So a big test of their character tonight to see how they respond. They've got it in their hands, Sunderland, because they've got the, the games on Barnsley, but we saw that it damaged Shrewsbury a little bit last season. We'll wait and see what it does to Sunderland. To be honest, I think we can read a little bit too much into how much it would affect the season going on. At Chesterfield, when, when we won the, the competition, we were relegated afterwards. And I think it's just it's a one-off spectacle, you know. So it's a one-off occasion, and I think Sunderland it could be the kind of the kick up the backside they need a little bit, you know, just to kind of spur them on to to going on to to getting that second spot. Certainly, the EFL will be delighted that both those yeah. sides reach the final and even split of supporters. While sometimes with an EFL trophy final, you get that odd split of fifty thousand for one club and ten thousand for another, but. The fact that it was 40,000 for each just helped add to the, 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 the occasion and the spectacle. It was magnificent. It would be a test of the structure if we ever do get an academy side reach the final. Well, we're that... still waiting for Liverpool or Manchester United to submit a, an mm. academy team. They're the only two elite sides that have yet to accept an invitation from the EFL. I wonder if they ever will. I, I don't know. I mean, I can see both sides of the coin. I think it's fantastic for the, the young players, Chelsea in particular, who I watched on their journey last year. Mm. You can see the benefits to them. But that said, it's only four or five fixtures. I think it benefits the academies more than it does the league clubs. Going back to when I was a player, I certainly wouldn't have enjoyed it, you know, having to, to play against those teams. That That's my honest opinion, and I think that would be echoed by the majority of the, the professional players. You feel like you've you've done your time in reserve football, academy football. I know that the rulings have been softened this season. I would like to see the managers of the EFL clubs be able to do whatever they like in terms of their team selection in that competition. Let's not beat around the bush. It only gets serious when you get to the latter stages. That's always been the case. And there wasn't too wrong with the original competition in my mind. I agree. I think players aren't going to enjoy playing against academy teams. But in truth, they didn't enjoy playing in the early rounds before that. This has always been the way the competition has been. It's all about the final. Mm. And I think actually there's a bit too much hand-wringing about this. It's, it's the way it is. The final is the dangling carrot. And when you get towards the end of it, you see what, the, what kind of 
a day that can be for fans, how memorable it can be. So that's that's the way the, the competition is. Oh, many congratulations to Kenny Jacket and Portsmouth for getting it over the line on penalties over Sunderland in the EFL Trophy final. That's that for now. Championship action is up next. Make this an every Saturday super with the Super Saturday Reloaded coupon from William Hill. Available in all William Hill branches across the UK. With more prizes on offer than ever before, your new Super Saturday competitions offer you the chance to win a share of £1 million and some additional extra goodies specific to your region. All you have to do is select the number of goals, corners and cards across three selected football matches. Super Saturday football and racing competitions are free to enter when you bet £10 at your local William Hill. T's and C's apply. You can find out more at williamhill.com. And remember, when the fun stops, stop. So Leeds leapfrogged the Blades in West London. Steve McLaren sacked after losing to Bolton. More Midland invaders. Derby are back in the playoff picture. And it's yet another nil-nil for Stoke City. That's four in four nil-nil draws for Nathan Jones and the Potters. But there was an extraordinary minute, Gregor Robertson, Sam Parkin, on Saturday where you had Leeds, Millwall and Sheffield United, Bristol City going one way and then both games flipped and suddenly the whole promotion issue completely switched around 100% in Leeds United's favour, Gregor. Yeah, I mean, I think there's going to be many more moments like that. When you look at the, the two, two fixtures coming up, both teams playing Preston and Birmingham, I think it's it's going to swap. It's impossible to call. Both run-ins are fairly similar. Leeds showed the kind of the spirit and the sort of energy in that in that group towards the end. Luke Ayling looked like a man possessed when he scored that goal. He was running around, leaping around, trying to get the crowd going, and then the sort of endeavour to to keep the ball in when when Millwall should have cleared it down the right and then and then cut it back for the winner. And Hernandez has just been been a revelation this season. I saw who scored dot uh, com the the stats website gave him a ten. I'm not sure I've seen that many times before. <laughs> you know, he's it's not quite in the keep envelope of uh, of uh, handing out tens. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's on the way there. But Pablo Hernandez didn't make it into the EFL team of the year. Perhaps that's a bit of an oversight. I don't know. It's very difficult to select an eleven anyway. I think he's one of those players that can feel a little bit hard done by that he didn't get that recognition. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, he was the the, the match winner at the weekend. Mill will cause them problems though on the on the counter attack when he has altered the system. Neil Harris away from home. I think they did it at Middlesbrough and, and Ben Thompson's been pretty vital in that and I think a good, good example to a, a young lad uh, obviously at his boyhood club Mill a big Mill fan having to go to Portsmouth and absolutely outstanding loan spell that, that really affected Portsmouth and he's come back into Mill and been very important for them the last few games getting goals him and Jed Wallace in that system they're the ones that have got to join in with Gregory caused Leeds a, a lot of problems so Massive victory and, and I completely concur with Gregor. I thought Sheffield United had the better fixtures when I looked at it the other the other day mm-hmm. and tallied it up and thought that Sheffield United, you know, would probably pip Leeds, but I didn't see these two results coming. I probably would have felt Mill a half decent chance of upsetting the odds, but I wouldn't have envisaged Bristol City getting maximum points at um at Sheffield United. Particularly as the Blades hadn't conceded in seven yeah. matches and then Andres Weinman with his first professional hat-trick ceased to that. The finish for the second goal, outstretched right boot from a tight angle at the far post. Fantastic. Yeah, it's kind of got cramped watching that, you know. <laughs> There's no chance that was happening with me. Yeah, there, but there was some kind of slightly uncharacteristically poor defending from, from Sheffield United. John Egan kind of got done for the third as well. And he and him and Jack Jack O'Connell, I think, could easily have been in the team of the year. They, they've both been outstanding. 
Vyman, I don't know where that came from. You know, I think he scored six goals before that. And, Correct. And uh, and it was just a an amazing performance, one-off performance from him, really. That that's uh, that scuppered Sheffield United on the day. I mean, you could easily ask the question: Is the pressure getting to Chris Wilder and his yeah. players? But I mean, the pressure's got to Marcelo Bielsa and his players before now. It's it's nip and tuck. Yeah, and you've got to credit the opposition as well. And Lee Johnson, he's been quite stuck to this um, kind of four-one-four-one for the majority of the season. He matched Chris Wilder up and. Uh, forced the, the Blades into changing their system and uh, there was a few injuries as well so the personnel was a bit of a problem for Chris Wilder at the weekend but brilliant collective performance from City with some individuals in there as well Gigi was exemplary as the mm. centre forward the focal point and Vyman looks like one of those but I've never played with him but he looks like one of those guys that's got every attribute he must be so frustrating he's so quick he can finish he can link the play I'm sure he should get a better return of goals, especially at championship level, but mm. that looked like an outstanding display. Lee Johnson said of Vyman, I said to him yesterday, I couldn't think of anybody worse that I would like to play against than you. Yeah. I would hate <laughs> to play against you. Now, what greater compliment is there from your manager? And have you ever had that, a manager say that to you guys, to be that <laughs> complimentary to say, I would hate to have you up oh. against me? Andy King used to get me in his office if I'd gone a game without a goal and tell me that I was the best player in the country. And I'd go, uh, <laughs> 10 feet tall. Uh, unbelievable. He used to say it to me about once a fortnight. <laughs> I had a few managers saying that the opponents would have loved to play against me, but um, <laughs> no, it oh, doesn't, doesn't really happen with left-backs, I'm afraid. <laughs> when you go back into the dressing room after these sorts of games, you're in a promotion tussle, is the first thing you do, you're desperate to find out the other result or do you try and block it out? What, what? Yeah, it was more relegation battles with me, but yeah, <laughs> 100% dance. Yeah. yeah, you're getting the results up on your phone just as the manager's finishing his spiel. Have you heard it from the crowd as well? Have you heard little mm, isolated Maybe from... when he gets to the, the real nitty-gritty, the last yeah, two or three yeah. games, I wouldn't say now, yeah. you'd still be concentrating on your own business, but you normally have a TV in the dressing yeah. room this day and age. As soon as his manager's finished his yeah. team talk, TV goes on and everyone's up looking at that. Yeah, it's, there's going to be lots of that between the end of the season. It's just impossible to call. By the way, in the playoff final, there's going to be no VAR mm. ruling from the EFL yesterday. Oversight, or is that a sensible decision? It's one of those where, like the FA Cup, if it's not if it's not been there all season, then why should it be there in the final? But then I saw Jackie Oakley making a an interesting point on Twitter last night that possibly they could be opening themselves up to to litigation if there's a if there's a bad a really really bad call that costs 180 million pounds. You know, so. Mm. The sooner it's the sooner the better. It's it's there in all at all levels and all these these big games as well. I think for a one-off game like that, there's so much on it that it's, it'd be almost foolish not to. Now another managerial casualty. We learnt Monday morning that Steve McLaren had been given the old Spanish archer from QPR. They've not won since the 26th of February. Just one win in 15. 46 fixtures he had in all, winning 16, drawing nine, and losing. 21. Lost to Bolton. That was the final denouement. And he said after the game, we had 60% possession, 33 crosses, 21 shots. We did enough to win two games of football there. How much sympathy, Sam Parkin, do you have with the ex-QPR manager? Well, I do. Uh, I think it's quite harsh. I can only think that they want to get a head start before next season to get someone into the building and get a little bit of a plan in place. And that's what they need. Uh, I'm not talking about the next five years they need a bit of a plan for the next season or two the reason I've got sympathy is that there's obviously been restrictions on Steve McLaren this season he was forced really uh, to go into the market at the end of August and it had a real impact on the squad to get Rangel Cameron who's been an enormous miss he was the the most vital part of the 
the defensive solidity really sitting in front of the midfield. He's been a major miss and the two strikers came in as well, Hemed and, and Wells. And initially that's given them enough to accumulate the points which will see them safe. But beyond that, I'm not sure what the expectation was this season. For me, if QPR would have finished 21st, I would have, I would have taken that. Mm. I think there's no real depth to the squad. I think they're lacking creativity. I think Eze has fallen off the edge of a cliff after such a scintillating start to the season. So the onus has been hugely on Luke Freeman's shoulders. I just feel that I, I, I want to see a plan. I, I, I'm jealous looking at Brentford down the road that they seem to you know, have... Uh, a real identity, a uh, way about going recruitment. And the new manager is still going to have these restrictions in place, I would suggest. So it's going to be someone, probably Tim Sherwood, who's got a history of, of working well with young players to, to maybe consolidate again next season. Well, we'll get to the odds with Joe in just a minute. But Gregor, can I just get your reaction to what Ian Holloway, Steve McLaren's predecessor, said on TalkSport on Monday talking about the fact that he knew that Steve McLaren was talking to QPR whilst Ian was still in the job about what they should be doing. And I'll give you some direct quotes from him. What goes around comes around. Where the hell are the young lads I was told to bring through? Easy isn't playing. What about Ryan Manning? They're not playing. I was told to promote the youth and bring people in who cared about the club. It's not happening. He had my babies and took my kids. (laughs) Interesting Uh, analogy, but that's Ian Holloway for you. It sure does. I mean, we're kidding ourselves if we don't think that, that manager, managers, potential future managers are speaking to clubs before they, they're appointed. I'm sure Ian Holloway's probably done that himself in the past, so I wouldn't be too upset about that. He makes the point about playing the young players, and that was, con- that was almost sort of why Steve McLaren was brought in, they think. He's, he's, a, he's a coach, an expert on the training ground. He'll improve these players and work with them, and that's, that's what he's brought, been brought in for. And they, he hasn't played them. They haven't played the majority of them. And he went out and signed the four players that, that we've mentioned. And there's players like, you know, Paul Smythe going off to Accrington Stanley, Ilias Chairs banging them in for Stevenage. Yeah. They might not be ready for the first team now, but when the, these injuries come along, I think these are the players that the fans want to see put in. And whether they're good enough or not is a different matter. I mean, even the start of the season, they weren't all playing when they lost the first four games in a row. But I think QPR's model now is to have these players in reserve at least or embedding them into the team for the future. So we turn to Joe Crilly from William Hill. What are the odds saying about the next man in the chair at Loftus Road, Joe? Well, we've heard his name already. Sam mentioned Tim Sherwood. He's one to three, so massive favourite to get the job. This is for first day of next season. Mark Warburton, six to one second favourite. Gareth Ainsworth, seven to one third favourite. Then double price or bigger, the rest. Gary Rowett, is he in there? Because he was linked with QPR before when he was at he is. He's, he's towards the top of the betting, 14 to one. The same price as Darren Moore, Chris Powell, Carvial, uh, both 16 to one. John Eustace currently in temporary charge. He's 20 to one. Well, thank you, Joe. We'll see how that pans out for Queen's Park Rangers. Just mentioned Darren Moore there, his former club, West Bromwich Albion won a dramatic game on Friday night against Birmingham by three goals to two. Jake Livermore smashing home the winner. That's three wins in a row for Jimmy Shan since Darren Moore was sacked. And they're still kind of in touch with Automatic, aren't they? Gents, are we ruling them in or out of that top two race? You can't completely rule them out, but I think the three teams above them are better sides, really. Yeah. More consistent. I think West Brom... Have got themselves three wins, but by hook or crook, really. I think they were fortunate again on on Friday. I think he was tactically good. Maybe got it wrong at the start with Morrison playing, but rectified that with uh, Robson Carnu coming on, who I think's had a a good season in spells. Really, he's been a you know a good asset for them at the top end of the pitch. So 
a good victory, but I thought Birmingham hard done by, really. So we'll see. I know that there's there's rumours about a potential full-time boss coming into West Brom. I would stick at this stage rather than twist and see if he can he can get the job done through the playoffs. I agree, yeah. I think, although they've got three wins, they haven't been entirely convincing, but it's three wins. With regards to the, to the automatics, I think I can't see Sheffield United or Leeds dropping enough points. I think West Brom will be will be a, a, a test for anyone in the in the playoffs. I think mm. on their day they are they are one of the best teams in the in the division. It's just amazing to think that that Shan is someone who you know no one had really heard of, and he'd been coaching in the academy for for so many years, and he could potentially be managing in the Premier League next year. It's re- remarkable. Five losses in a row for Birmingham on the flip side. Although um, Lukas Jukovic must have been listening yeah. to the podcast last week, got himself back amongst the goals, Sam Parkin. But it's. Pretty precarious for them too, 41 points. They're only five clear of Rotherham, who are third bottom, Birmingham. They've got to arrest that run toot sweet. They have to, yeah. I mean, I felt they might get surprise us and get a victory over West Brom, Leeds coming up, Sheffield United, just to alleviate that pressure. If they're not to do that, they'll feel it when they go to Suffolk the, for the following game against Ipswich, but... I think they'll find a way, Birmingham. I think they'll be. I think they'll be just fine. And on the other side of the Aston Expressway, Villa five wins in a row for them, beating Blackburn two-one. Gareth Southgate was there watching, keeping an eye on Jack Grealish, I presume, but also maybe Tammy Abraham too. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think uh, a Scotsman stole the show from both of them, John McGinn. <laughs> Super John McGinn. <laughs> McGinn Esther, they're oh, calling him, aren't they? What a player! Yeah, I think he's been involved in five goals in the last the last three games. And yeah, I mean, Grealish is, is the golden boy, but I think he's McGinn is kind of fast, uh, fast on his heels for the for the fans' affection. Really, he's been a revelation this season, and and uh, having those two players back fit has completely, completely transformed their outlook. Villa again, like West Brom, I think they're if they're getting the playoffs. They are a team on their day that is going to be really hard to beat. I just fear if if they were to lose Grealish, if they were to lose even Mings now, who's come in at the back, he's really shored up the defence. They just don't have any the cover behind. They can't replace these players. So if they can keep them fit, then then they're, they're going to be a, a real tough proposition. Yeah, they're the ones to avoid f- for yeah. me in the, in the playoffs. And um, the McGinn and uh, a Grealish partnership that's developing. John McGinn's such a down to earth lad. I'm sure they'll get on really well off the pitch as well. And right to highlight him because you could easily be in the shadow of a player like Grealish and not enjoy that. It won't be a problem to John at all. He will love playing alongside someone with that ability. But all through the pitch now, you look, Whelan was sensational, holding midfield, allowing those two to go and express themselves. The two centre-halves have been a revelation. And Tammy's got 50 career goals now, all from inside the 18-yard box I read the other day. And, I mean, that's unbelievable to, to think what he could go on and achieve in terms of his goal-scoring prowess. That's, that's some return. Honourable mention for Derby County 6 against Rotherham United, which took them back into the playoff positions at the expense of Middlesbrough, who lost to Norwich, the leaders, Saturday tea time. Tony Pulis in danger of being the next manager off? Oh, I'm not sure before the end of this season, but like we're saying, Villa, you would strongly fancy for the playoffs. Middlesbrough, given the experience of last year, where they were very limp in that tie against Aston Villa, Mm. the form they're in at, at the moment, I think it's... Five straight defeats, is it? Four yeah, straight defeats. 19 goals in 19 home games. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's wretched, and isn't it? It's the, it's the same pattern repeating itself, especially in the home games. They seem to start well, mm-hmm. don't seem to be clinical enough, obviously not clinical enough in front of goal, and um, getting punished. Uh, a Norwich team who seem to be quite good at the dark arts as well as being very fluid in the home games, seem to break up the game and, and can win ugly as well. So... 
you know, by far and away the most consistent and best team in the division at the moment. But Middlesbrough, I know they play tonight, so um, a chance to get back back on the horse against Bristol City but they are really struggling yeah I just think the atmosphere is really kind of turning at home and the home form has been awful and I'd be surprised if Poulos was was let go before the end of the season but and actually I still don't think you can write them off he's you know he's such such a wily old fox he, he can turn something around he'll be getting some ugly wins and <laughs> you yeah. never know they might still make the playoffs well we're recording this just before I head off to Teesside tonight to watch that game against Bristol City let's get the odds from Joe Crilly from William Hill for First, um, automatic promotion. We've been talking about that two, three, four horse race. What's it saying, Joe? We've kind of mentioned that West Brom perhaps have an outside chance. That's certainly what the odds suggest. They're 14 to 1 to finish in the top two. The race between Leeds and Sheffield United looks a lot tighter. 4 to 7, 11 to 8, respectively, with Norwich, unsurprisingly, 1 to 50 to finish in those top two spots. And as we were talking, Sam, Gregor, and I about the potential for Jimmy Shan to get the job permanently at West Brom. Have you got any odds for us there on the Hawthorns and what happens next? Yeah, it looks like a a three-horse race for this. Uh, A big name in Big Sam uh, heading the list at four to six. Jimmy Shan, five to two, second favourite. Alex Neal just behind at seven to two as well. Interesting stuff. EFL Awards were announced this week. We'll look at each category as we go through the pod. But let's look at the Championship Player of the Season nominations. Three have come in. I'll start with you, Gregor Robertson. Che Adams of Birmingham, Timu Puki of Norwich City and Billy Sharp of Sheffield United. I think it has to be Timu Puki, really. I think for his all-round game, his influence on, on Norwich has been remarkable and a free transfer as well. It's been an absolute bargain. Billy Sharp has been... Yeah, he's been a revelation. It's been the, the best season of his career at Championship level. Che Adams has gone from strength to strength, but I think... Pookie, his goals are, are going to get uh, Norwich promoted, really, so I think I would have to go for him. Sam, you go along with that? Yeah, toss-up between him and Billy Sharp. I think, well, probably quite obvious to say, I think Che Adams could go and achieve yeah. more than either of the other two, given you know how good and rounded player he is. But, yeah, Pookie for just having the season of his life. Sharp, a close second because the story is fantastic. And just quickly on the EA Sports Young Player of the Season... You've got Harry Wilson of Derby, James Justin at Luton Town, or Max Aaron's Norwich City fullback. I'm looking at Max Aaron's there. I don't know about you, Sam. Oh, I'd go with Max Aaron's. Yeah, would I would agree with you. I think Harry Wilson is his form has been slightly patchy. It's been he's been brilliant. He scored some wonder goals, but mm. I think Max Aaron's has come in and been so consistent, and he looks like he's ready to step up to the Premier League already. So I think I would go for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll probably go along with that. Although James Justin is a player I really like. Him and Stacey, obviously, on the other side, I think they're a huge reason for Luton's success in the last few seasons. And he wasn't a regular, actually, last year in League Two, so throughout the whole campaign. So he's had a phenomenal season. And Wilson, a little bit inconsistent in the the recent downward spiral that Derby have been on. So yeah, I'm happy with Aaron's. But it's almost beautiful that Sam Parkin brings up Luton Town because... Grab yourself a cuppa. We're going to have a quick pause and then we'll get straight back at it with League One. The Offside Rule Weekly Chinwags have returned. After travelling around the country speaking to the great and good in the beautiful game, we're back in a comfy studio ready to bring you a weekly dose of what's happening in football. The team that we've got at the moment, the sort of football they're playing, it gives me hope. We had a brilliant World Cup in Russia that we could really enjoy and get behind them and that looks like it's going to continue yeah. and move on. Well, thanks to England this week, you'll be delighted to know that I learned what a wet willy was. Coburn Laidside is the club that my granddad supported, so I just kind of latch on to them. Yeah. We were hey, taken. you can't have any games. more teams anyway. I You've know. already got Middlesbrough and Manchester United. And Real Madrid. We'll be ready for you every Friday morning to kickstart your sporting weekend 
So that's The Offside Rule out every Friday morning. You can get involved by subscribing now on your preferred podcasting app. So some big scorelines around the weekend in League One. Whilst Sunderland and Portsmouth were contesting the EFL Trophy final, Barnsley dropped two points at home to Coventry and that ridiculous 13-team relegation battle saw a number of significant results. Oxford United beating Wickham 2-1, AFC Wimbledon winning by the same scoreline at Scunthorpe and Shrewsbury collecting all three points at South End. Just three points now covering the eight teams from 16th down to 23rd, Sam Parkin. But let's start at the top. I mentioned Barnsley dropping points. Sunderland and Portsmouth would have gone to Wembley, delighted at what Coventry did on their behalf on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, well, they've taken points off Luton recently and, and now Barnsley. They're, they're a decent team, Coventry. The only thing that's stopping them is the, the goal scoring. I, mean, mm. I lost M- Mark Minolte last season and haven't got a big enough return from the likes of Bakayoko. So, and you but, were worried about Barnsley last week when we yeah. spoke on the pod. You had your concerns. I was, and I just think that the loss of Kiefer Moore, we say it more or less every week, is just in- enormous. It's having a huge effect on that side at the moment. Dougal as well, who, brilliant start to the season, had his injury, came back in, shown his quality again in recent times. Just those two missing, mm. big impetus on McGeehan to carry them and be the creative force with Moet as well. They're just not, I don't think, as clinical as they were early part of the season. Defensively, I mean, that's the first two goals they've conceded in about three seasons or whatever. <laughs> so I was going to say, on the flip side, Gregor, that said, they are still 20 games unbeaten, the Tykes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a disaster. I think Sam's right, though. They've not been as fluent as in uh, earlier stages in the season, and, and it is largely down to down to those two injuries. I think they're so good defensively that they're still going to be right in there until the end of the season for that second spot. I think it's I think it's going to be a, another intriguing race for, for that second spot. It is, Daniel Stendhal saying after. We'd not conceded a goal in seven games, so when we scored early, I think the players thought a little bit like we'd won the game. So used they are to keeping shutouts. And Mark Robbins was a bit talking through gritted teeth, even though Coventry got the point. He said, we lost ground today because Donny have won again. And they won midweek against Bristol Rovers and they look like they've picked up again. So while we know it's difficult, said Robbins, we're six points off with six games to go. It's certainly not insurmountable and we've got to go to Doncaster. And there is an awful lot of inter-team matches to play with those teams contesting that sixth spot to come, Sam Parkin. Yeah, it's very difficult to predict. I mean, what a turnaround for Doncaster. I was sitting in his chair last week and and felt that they were really struggling to get some rhythm, especially in the forward area. So to get Wilkes back scoring and, and Marquis with a goal after a, a particularly barren spell for him, where he doesn't normally go one or two games without a goal, I think seven-odd games. Mm. So to get back on the score sheet, six points from six, obviously they're in the pole position. Coventry, for, for me, out of the other ones, just because they've got a little bit more momentum, Blackpool and Peterborough a little bit inconsistent and not enough wins on the board. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think Doncaster are going to be hard to catch. I think if there's one team, then then it will be Coventry. But although I mean, you've got to say Blackpool are showing some real spirit. You know, getting these these late comebacks and uh, and the, the club's a bit reinvigorated after after the fans come and pouring yeah. back through the gates. So you never know. We'll get to Blackpool in just a minute and one particular extraordinary moment in their game on Saturday. But with regard to automatic, let's get back to Sunderland for a minute because they've got three games in hand on Barnsley. Six points behind them. And I'm going to be at the Wham Stadium on Wednesday night when they play free-falling Accrington on their bobbly pitch that Joey Barton had a right old 
crack at on Saturday after Fleetwood won there, getting in a bit of a, a, a stink with Andy Holt, the, the owner of Accrington Stanley. But Sunderland, they've just got to go again. They've got to refocus, haven't they, Sam? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a tricky game because they need the points badly. And I heard that Coleman was getting a little bit of flack, which he, you know, obviously I'm not a, a regular attendee of their games, but I find quite incredible, to be honest. But if they can get back, they won't have any hangovers, I suppose, will they? So they will, there will no problem, you know, turning up and having another game. Rochdale's another tricky one. But Burton is probably one of the few fixtures across all three leagues at the moment that you wouldn't be too frightened about because they're kind of mid-table obscurity. And that is where we're at with the League One, really. There's few gimmies because there's something on, you know, most games against most clubs. Yeah, I mean, the the, the contrast between Wembley and then going to Atkinson Stanley and then Rochdale, that's going to be one for the minds, I think, you know. It's, yeah. But I think Atkinson are an awful run and, and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a game where... You know, mental fortitude will is is the biggest test for them. You know, but games that they need to win to to to, to claw back in, in these games in hand. And at the other end of the table, some are calling Wally Downs the South West London Lazarus. They're part of a group of four teams on forty-two points. AFC Wimbledon, along with Rochdale, Warsaw, and South End. But they went to Glanford Park, Sam Parkin, and won two-one on Saturday. Do we now think that Wimbledon will pull off the great escape? Well, yes. I think in a word, because there's clubs in and around them in, in worse shape, not only on the pitch, but off the pitch at the moment. I don't think Wally would be rubbing his hands together, but seeing managers losing their jobs at other relegation candidates, you know, that's going to give his players a boost. They've been down there all season. They know what it's about as well. And he's found a formula that he's stuck to. They've had some indifferent results during this run. Lost 4-2 at home to Gillingham, but he's played 3-5-2 mm-hmm. for a number of weeks now. They've stopped shipping goals at, at one end. I know that he, he told the players in no uncertain terms, don't take any risks, don't play square in your own final third, get the ball forward. I think a few of them took it a little bit too literally, he said. So now they seem to have got that balance. And he's got good options, top end of the pitch underlined by Hansen scoring three in the last two games he's got a couple of big men and he's got Felivi the the little live wire on loan from Watford as well so I put them in a much better obviously much better fettle than Southend Scunthorpe as well and and the two that are beneath them I agree I think I think the huge thing is when you've been down there all season you know you've got something to fight for if you're the team that's in in free fall and it's a very different sort of psychological outlook you have and there are enough teams in free fall just now Wimbledon will keep picking up points and I can I can see them climbing the table very soon. Now, there are temporary managers going in all over the place at the bottom of League One. Just before we recorded this podcast, it was confirmed that Kevin Bond is going in at Roots Hall to look after South End for the rest of the season. Spent much of his career, of course, as being Harry Redknapp's assistant around the clubs. But Kevin getting a, a number one position, at least temporarily. Andy Dawson, of course, has already taken over at Scunthorpe United. He was talking about what's to come for the iron, he says they're all big games and I'm a firm believer that it doesn't matter whether it's the end of the season or the beginning, you want to win a game of football. I believe that if we perform for longer, we will win games. So he's obviously talking about they switch off, Gregor, in games. I think both both these teams, Scunthorpe and the South End, it's, it's really kind of, they're head scratchers, these two these two uh, sackings really, I think. With the, with the people who are coming in, Andy Dawson is kind of Mr. Scunthorpe. You know, he he he's, he he turbo boosted his, his career there earlier in his in, in his early earlier career. I think McCall was can feel really hardly hard done by manager um, of the month in January. Absolutely, was yeah, like yeah, and 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 Southend with the injuries they've had, Powell. I, I think that was that was a crazy decision as well. And and 
Bond coming in in his place, he's someone who's got experience. I'm sure he'll get them organised. But beyond that, I think I think it seems like a very peculiar move. Elsewhere in League One, is there any reason for us to fear for Wickham Wanderers? And Gareth Ainsworth went to the Kassam on Saturday and lost 2-1 against a resurgent Oxford United. They haven't won in 10 games now, Sam Parkin. Wickham Wanderers only moving downwards. They missed a penalty through Joe Jacobson and, of course, a 94th-minute winner for Oxford. That's always going to hurt. I think there's good reason to be concerned. I understand the performance wasn't too bad. You, you've highlighted a couple of moments where huge moments at this stage of the season. The goalkeeping situation doesn't fill me with optimism at the moment. I thought maybe not culpable for the two goals, but his, his all-round game. And they've obviously had a big problem there this season with a lot of emergency goalkeepers coming in as well. Yeah, I mean, they've been in leading positions four times as well recently mm. and uh, gone on to lose the fixtures. So... I'd have to be concerned uh, about Wickham because of the reasons we've just been talking about. When you're in free fall at this stage of the season, I suppose it's about being resolute defensively and maybe putting an extra defender in there, trying to get an early goal and just grinding out an ugly 1-0. That's what Wickham seem to need at the moment. They got one against Plymouth before this hellish run, but they, with Southend and Scunthorpe, I think... uh, in incredibly precarious positions. And Gregor, from one stoppage time winner to another, Curtis Tilt's extraordinary match-shaving overhead kick for Blackpool at home to Plymouth on Saturday. 2-2 it finished up at Bloomfield Road, salvaging what's left of, of their playoff attempt, although there could be a points deduction on the horizon for them, which could see it null and void. And Tilt tweeted, when you've spent the whole of your Sunday watching your goal back, followed by an explosion <laughs> emoji. Can't blame him either, can you? Oh, no, yeah. Centre-half overhead kick. What's going on there? <laughs> Blackpool have the real spirit, you know. I think it's the 13th goal they've scored in the last 10 minutes. Only Peterborough have scored more. And they did the same against Southend when, when, with the big homecoming, you know. Mm. And, and Derek Adams said after the game that the, the fans sucked the ball into the net. He, he sort of recognised the effect of the supporters. There was 8,000 there mm. when they've been getting three and a half, you know. It's a big, big change for these players. Well, you, know? you were there for that, that first game back once the Oysters were gone. I was, yeah. It was probably the most joyous occasion I've ever been to inside a football ground you know the fans couldn't really care what happened on the pitch and as it happened it was just sort of a fairy tale moment when when they scored that 96th minute or they they didn't even score it it was an own goal but (laughs) there was a a pitch invasion there was people crying in the stands and hugging it's there's just such a a change in atmosphere there and I think who knows that can be very powerful just very quickly Sam before we get the odds Plymouth five points clear are they safe from relegation or is it a bit dodgy to start making those sort of predictions. I think they'll be okay, is my, my instinct on it. I understand Derek Adams has, has banned a local website, a local paper in the last few days as well. So even though all is not well, it seems uh, with Derek Adams and the supporters early part of the season, now with some in the local press, which is always a dangerous game, uh, I feel. I think they've got enough quality, especially the front boys. Carey's been a bit quieter this season, but other chaps, Ramirez, yeah. Yeah, and, and Ladapo having... Yeah. Talk about Puki having an outstanding season in the Championship. This guy's come from nowhere this year to get an incredible return of goals. Okay, over to Joe Crilly from William Hill. Still 13 teams in it, I guess, Joe. What are the odds for relegation from League One? It's an absolute mess, as it has been (laughs) for most of the season. We've got five teams that are odds on. Bradford, unsurprisingly, 1-25. to Wimbledon, 4-6. to And then three teams at 8-11. to That's Southend, Walsall and Rochdale. 
Wimbledon Rochdale, however, seem to be on a bit of a, an upward trajectory at the moment. So it might be worth looking at some of the bigger prices. And I can hear Clarkie's voice in my head going, Accrington, Accrington. And they're still 5-1. to one. They're still a big price for relegation. But I think he tipped them up when they were about 10s or 12s, didn't he? So Accrington at 5-1. to one. Wickham as well, we've mentioned them. 9-2 to two for relegation. And, and as we've said, they're only going one way. Throw a blanket over the lot of them. Just quickly, gentlemen, nominations for the League One player of the season are in. John Marcus of Don. Caster, James Collins of Luton, Aidan McGeady of Sunderland. Gregor Robertson, where would your vote go from those three gentlemen? I think Collins. I think, again, for the same reasons, really, he's been such a sort of inspiration for the for Luton. It's really kind of his goals are going to help get help them get over the line. He's obviously had a call up to the Republic of Ireland. I think he's someone who, you know, championship football has been a long time coming and, and uh, he's going to get there. Going to have to agree. We're too nice to each other, Gregor. That's why we're pals, mate. Um, yeah, my reason being that everyone was really quick to start writing James Collins off because he'd had a couple of indifferent seasons at this level. He's a goal scorer. And you score in League Two, bundles of goals, you're going to score in League One. Yeah. The next challenge, can he do it in a championship? And some people can't quite manage that. <laughs> Present company accepted, of course, Sam. With that decided then, let's get to the final section of the Totally Football League show because League Two's next. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. When I first got into this, I was worried about bad reviews and then I realised it didn't hurt. But I say thank you to the most ones. On my Sky Planner, you will see things like wheeler dealers, the world's most luxurious airliners. <laughs> it's Mr. Saturday Night himself. It's Sam O'Leary. Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore and Mark Jeffries. So in League Two, it's still Lincoln City riding high. They haven't lost since Boxing Day, nor had Bury until this weekend. And their loss to Swindon Town gave Milton Keynes second place as they beat Forest Green 2-1. There you were, Gregor, talking about, or Sam talking about teams playing out from the back. Forest Green particularly guilty of mucking around inside their own defensive third and, and gifting a goal. Meanwhile, at the bottom of the table, just one point separates Macclesfield, Notts County and Yeovil, which is where we're going to begin. So Lincoln want Macclesfield, one credit to the Mac lads for getting a share of the spores at Sinsall Bank. Notts County winning 3-0, all goals coming in the first half at Stevenage. And Yeovil won Newport 3, worrying times at Hewish Park. Where do you want to start, Sam Parkin? Well, I think Notts County. So frustrating when you see the, especially the front players, who I understand had a meeting prior to the game at Stevenage because they've been a little bit lacklustre in, in recent games. I think it always helps when you get an early goal against the Stevenage side, who realistically might be one of the teams that are starting to get the beach towels out. I don't think they're going to be in the playoff reckoning. It's not they're not too far away, but I don't fancy them to make it. So that first goal to just deflate them, Notts County obviously loads to play for, and Neil Ardley will just have to try and get that consistency because we've seen that Macclesfield and Notts County are very capable. They probably shouldn't be in this position, but it's about stringing back-to-back wins together at this stage. Macclesfield got that point at Lincoln, but Sol Campbell used the word confidence. 10 times in his post-match press conference. <laughs> For example, quote, that should give them a lot of confidence, not overconfidence, but confidence that we can match the top teams. <laughs> I think actually he has made, he has kind of, they do look more confident. The finish, Scott Wilson's finish was a very confident yeah. finish. Yeah. Lovely little ball around the corner from Jurel as well. Mm. I think you can tell he has sort of reinvigorated them a little bit. And this is a, a squad of players that were kind of largely, you know, one of the lowest 
budgets in, in the division below. So it'll be no mean feat to keep them up. It's going to be a huge game for them, their game in hand against Exeter next Tuesday, I think it is. The thing is with it being a mini three-team league is that even if they if they leap above Yeovil, then they've still got to leap above Notts County. You know, it's kind of one of those teams is going down, even though they're... I, I can't see Cambridge getting sucked into it, so it's a three-team league. Well, Ardley was keen to point out Sam Park and his influence since arriving at Notts County, saying... The lads are running 20% further than they were when I first arrived. It's huge amounts, 15 or 20 kilometres more. Now, managers always say players aren't fit enough when they first come into the club, but the stats are backing him up here. I used to hate that. That was always, <laughs> that was always one of the go-tos, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, they sometimes get something to be in their bonnet about the injured players not spending enough time in recovery. And then so... I was injured a lot during my career, so I would end up having to do triple sessions because the lads were losing every <laughs> yeah. week. It was somehow my fault. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the proof's in the pudding, really, if he's got the statistics to back him up. I think Yeovil are in, in huge trouble. You know, the, the coach has come in, Neil Marmon, who um, obviously he's been in German football the majority of his coaching career. He seems to be trying to create that siege mentality, open training sessions, what have you. But they, uh, again, haven't had the results recently that Notts County and Macclesfield have. And we've seen enough in Salt Campbell, a bit more of a settled lineup with, with Macclesfield. It was a bit of kind of picking the balls out of a hat a few weeks ago. Finally, there's a bit of continuity there. And they've played all the, you know, three of the top sides in recent weeks. Mm. They've gone now mm. and they're really in touching distance with Yeovil. So you have to say... For me, Yeovil's, you know, probably the the, t- the the team most likely to to fall out of the league. But one of the others is is still going to go down. It, it, yeah. it's going to be takes take something amazing for for Cambridge to get sucked into. It, I think yeah. so. They're competing against each other. I think them. Although and Cambridge lost very late on at home to to Colchester, where a frozen burger landed on the <laughs> training ground on Thursday, courtesy of a YouTuber. Honestly, we've got a couple of examples of prime British beef here in the studio with us. But how odd that a YouTuber sent a a weather balloon up with a Big Mac. Yeah, I didn't really understand it. I read it about three times. Um, <laughs> the, the article, but um, to come down at the training ground was in yeah, it was incredible. And I, I noticed the bloke on Quest, the reporter, made about fifty-five references to space during that one goal, yes, which yeah. was a sensational. Goal. It was a rocket, yeah, indeed. It was indeed. Um, but Sam Saunders, I think, will give him the credit. He came on, I think, who was playing for Colchester. Yes, and he was uh, earmarked for an appearance on the Totally Football he League was. show. Not going to happen. Well, though, it will happen soon. I'm quite sure. Uh, don't forget it's Grand National Weekend this weekend, so you can look out for all the extra horse racing puns <laughs> in the reportage that we get for football league games at this weekend. Now, Gregor Robertson, who's with us on the Totally Football League show, your journeyman series of uh, you know reports and travels has taken you around the lower leagues. You mentioned that you went to Blackpool for the, the return of the fans, essentially, once the Oysters had gone. You were at Prenton Park at the weekend for Tranmere 3, Carlisle 0. League 2's top scorer James Norwood at it again amongst other things what do you make of, of Tranmere's progress having won promotion? The atmosphere's just been transformed there I think what Was it 8,000 there or something? 8,000 the biggest crowd of the season yeah they're taking 2,000 to Oldham this, uh, this evening Tuesday night it's been a combination of things I think they, they were conceding far too many goals uh, including that 7-0 humbling uh, to Tottenham Hotspur and then they lost three games in the bounce and I think they had some sort of harsh words among, amongst each other Mark Ellis came in for Steve, Steve McNulty, who's you would think has been a big loss, but I think they, him and Ellis and Manth have, have kind of have formed a real partnership there, and, and there's a bit more balance in the team. Some really good signings. Dave Perkins has been has been fantastic for them. He was he was everywhere, covered every blade of grass on on Saturday, and I think and when you've got Norwood up front and you've got enough people providing him with the ammunition, then then I think that they've got a great chance. Just not missed Andy Cook at all, have they? 
No, I think that they, they were a pair, and now Norwood's playing up front on his own, really, and they've they kind of tweaked the formation. I think Mickey Mellon's not been scared to do that in a few times, uh, a few occasions in his in his time there. So they really are full of energy, full of running and and aggression. I think Nathan Thomas was bundled over the the hoardings twice in the game. He's really bruising afternoon for him, <laughs> but they're not scared to leave one on on the opponents, you know. And I think seven wins in a, in a row. They're the informed team in the country. And I love the stat from your article that only Liverpool have conceded fewer than Tramier at home in the league this season. Do you know how many it is they've conceded at home, Sam Parkin? Would you care to hazard a guess? And they're not even playing on Friday nights. Um, no. How many they've conceded at home this season? Yeah. Oh, I'll go for nine. Oh, so that's what Liverpool yeah, have conceded. Tramier have only conceded ten. An yeah. extraordinary. And 12 clean sheets for, for Scott Davis as well, which is a club record, equals a club record. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they've been excellent this season at home. Mickey Mellon's here for two in a row. Apparently, they were singing to the tune of the Inspiral Carpets, This Is How It Feels. It's not one on my iPod, not that I don't <laughs> like it, but you care to give us a rendition? I'm not aware of the melody. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm sorry. Okay. There, was, there was a drum involved as well. The fans are really in great voice in that cop in the second oh, half. There should be 8,000. Yeah. And as you say, no Friday nights. I wonder, do Half Man Half Biscuits still go there to watch? Are they still front and centre in the minds of Tranmere fans? You've lost me. Yeah, half Man Half Biscuit. They, 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 they refuse to go on top of the pops. This is a, a band who had songs like All I Want For Christmas Is A Dukla Praga Wake It. And they famously refused to go on top of the pops because they wanted to go and watch Tramere on a Friday night. Right. And they were doing the Trumpton Rites or something on top of the pops or were meant to and never never got round to it. If you've never if you've never lived listened to Half Man Half Biscuit, I, I would heartily recommend it. I'll get on it, dance, as soon as we wrap up. <laughs> Everyone's doing the Len Ganley stance. Let's get some odds from Joe Carilli from William Hill for we we talked about that sort of three team mini league for for relegation, maybe you can get to that. But there's also you know, Lincoln still riding high, Mansfield and MK kind of scrapping over automatic promotion. What have you got for us here in League Two, Joe? Yeah, so in terms of promotion, Barry a one to sixteen, MK Dons one to five. So it certainly looks like those two will fill the remaining two uh, automatic spots with Lincoln, Mansfield eight to thirteen for promotion. Uh, so they're they're kind of fourth favourites in that market. So they'd be favourites in the playoffs. But Tranmere nine to four worth a quid. Mm, most so, definitely. And at the bottom? Yeah, for the first time I can uh, remember this season, Notts County and Macclesfield aren't favourites to go down. As Sam mentioned it, he said Yeovil would be uh, the team... Oh, fist pump uh, from Parkin, fist pump! <laughs> he said uh, Yeovil would be the team uh, that would be favourites to go down, and they are, in fact, the favourites. They're 1-2 to now, with Notts County and Macclesfield both 8-15. to I just think it's a shame that, given the jobs that Neil Ardley and Sol Campbell have done, that one of them will probably end up uh, going down with their team. Can I quickly also ask you about the playoff picture? We mentioned the likes of Mansfield skirting around automatic two points behind Berry, uh, Forest Green and Exeter looking nervously over their shoulders at the likes of Colchester and Carlisle. And maybe, should we say Swindon Town? You can say Swindon Town. In terms of the top seven finish, Forest Green 4-11, to X to 1-2, to so both odds on, but Colchester... 9-4, to four, Swindon 3-1, to one, Carlisle 9-2, Newport 9-2. It's incredibly close for the uh, the remaining spots. All right, thank you, Joe. League Two Player of the Season nominations. We mentioned James Norwood, top scorer in the division for Tranmere. He's in there, along with two Berry players. Jay O'Shea, who's also been getting goals, and Danny Mayer as well. Gregor Robertson, do you want to go first here? I have to go for Danny Mayer. I think he's been in the form of his life. I saw one game when they were the... That amazing game when it was 4-3 against MK Dons at home. Fantastic game. And that was the, probably the best individual performance I've seen all season. Wow. Um, 
he's, he's great. I, I kind of I'm bemused why he's playing in League Two. I think he should definitely be playing in League One and, and possibly higher. And I think um, I think he's playing some of the best football of his career. So definitely Danny Mayer for me. I'm going to disagree at the death. Hey! At the death. I love Danny Mayer though, but he got sent off against Swindon the other day right. for shoving someone in his face. So I'm going to go Norwood. Just score goals in the uh, in the National League and obviously Exeter and Forest Green, but to do it in the league consistently as he has this season, phenomenal campaign for me. Now looking forward to the weekend, there's some really interesting fixtures around the leagues. Sheffield Wednesday against Aston Villa. The Steve Bruce derby, you know, it's the tickly bit and all the rest of it. And, you know, we give ourselves a chance and light the candle. But Villa going to Hillsborough and Sheffield Wednesday are not Sam Parking completely out of the playoff picture themselves. They've come with a bit of a wet sail lately. They have. They've been in, in brilliant form. I still feel it's going to be too tough an ask for them to force themselves into to the reckoning. And Aston Villa, I just can't see them slipping up now. I, I, you know, I make them... You know, strong favourites to do it through the playoffs just because the form they're in, the formula that he he's found, the manager and players all across the eleven at the top of their game. You've also got AFC Wimbledon against Accrington in League One who could easily swap places if there's a home win at King's Meadow. And the top two meet Gregor in League Two just quickly. Uh, Milton Keynes entertaining Lincoln City. Yep, that should be a, a cracker, I think. Milton Keynes are uh, a found form after a bit of a bit of a slump and uh, Lincoln Lincoln looks certain for the for the title, one thing I would say about uh, Tramir is that they've they're going to pl- have a big say in this, and that they've got to play Lincoln, Bury, and MK Dons. Kingmakers, then. Yeah, and tonight is their is their game in hand, so there mm. could be a point outside with still those teams to play. So that's that's going to be quite interesting to see. I think. And where are you off to on your journeyman travels this weekend? Uh, there's a few contenders. I might go and check out this the Steve Bruce Derby, but also I'm thinking about looking in at, at Port Vale soon. There's a lot of trouble going on at that club and yeah. with the owner. Mr. Smurman-Thorn-Thwaite. <laughs> Smurman-Northwaite, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Something like that. Um, although John Askey's doing a remarkably good job. He is in, in the circumstances. And quickly, Sam, where are you going? Oh, I'm not sure this weekend, but I've got a busy midweek of EFL fixtures, Newport and the London Derby the following week, QPR against Millwall. Mm-hmm. But um, undoubtedly, I will be at a fixture this weekend. Well, my thanks to Sam Parkin, to Gregor Robertson and Joe Crilly from William Hill. I'm Ian Danta. I've got to go. I've got to get to Borough. And fly up the M1. I've got to do like Partridge, just quit the show. I've got to go. See you later. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life really, and here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK, so that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.